When you think about the blood of Jesus, what comes to mind? What words come to mind? Pure. Perfect. Unblemished. Love of God. Pristine. Uncontaminated. And I know it might sound a bit cliche, but the truth is that if it was just you, that blood would have been shed for you. And so with the blood sacrifice, you you become what you're covered by. And Jesus' blood was shed to cover you. And so that means you stand before God. Pure, holy, uncontaminated, unblemished, pristine. Not just the person next to you, but you. Why? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Lord, we thank you for the freedom that the blood of Christ purchased for every single person here tonight. And I thank you, your blood speaks louder than any bondage. Your blood speaks louder than any curse. Your blood speaks louder than any past. Your blood speaks louder than any lie. And we thank you that where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And there is freedom here tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to bring the freedom of Christ. We thank you for your word that we'd be changed tonight. We haven't come just to hear a good sermon, but to actually change by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you all. Hope you've had a good week. Just a reminder, we are on... Wednesday nights, and uh, this, the mic cutting out's just become my signature, I think. And uh, don't forget, you can get all the sermons, all the 
notes and find out what's happening by uh, being that QR code behind me, uh, just to stay informed and feel free to share that with your friends because uh, the Word of God is alive and it's active and it's powerful, so it's good to share it with your friends. And um, there is kids ministry upstairs, so the kids have already left, but if you're new here and you're wanting to find out a bit more, you can come and speak to us and uh, we'll give you a bit more information, but it's for kids aged four and up and um, they'll be well looked after there. And uh, don't forget, immediately after the service, go and collect them um, because uh, we want to relieve the team up there as well. But otherwise, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Let's try it. Try it one more time, just, just for Pastor Tony's self-esteem. Who wants to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? That was good. I reckon we can do even, even one better than that. So come on. Who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Um, we're going to sing one sing again. Welcome. Everyone good? Awesome. Awesome. You know, I've kept the worship, praise and worship people, singers here. The scripture I dropped in, and, and Dorian just shared, just dropped in my spirit as we're worshipping. It says in Galatians 5.1, Christ has made us free, has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of the freedom Therefore, be firm in his freedom and don't become a slave again, abbreviated. See, Christ has set us free. Okay, you must be all in slavery. See, Christ has set us free. For this reason, see, the Bible says in Galatians 1, he says, for the freedom's sake, he has set us free. Because freedom without people being free is not freedom at all. See, God has, and he says, don't entangle yourself with bondage again. See, we need to start declaring. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, what's going on. I don't know what's happening in your world. I do know that there's a blanket of an enemy attack right now on people's lives because he wants to put you back under bondage, whether it's addictions, whether it's religious spirit, whether it's manipulating spirits. But I'm here, I'm here to tell you, Paul declares, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which is in Christ, has made us free, and do not be entangled with a yoke of bondage. So I'm going to get these guys to sing that song again. I want you to shake off everything that you're going through. So even what? Fake it until you make it. I don't care. But start speaking how Jesus speaks. Because Jesus never walked around in bondage. Jesus knew he was going to the cross and he was still free. It says that for the hope that was set before him, he endured the cross. There was a hope that was set. It wasn't very joyful. It wasn't very nice what he was about to go through. But he was going through anyway. Why? Because there was a freedom coming to us. Amen. So we as believers don't sit there like stunned mullets crying about what you don't have or what you're going through. Today is a day of faith. If you have the faith of a small as a mustard seed, so please forgive me. Stand up. Let's have a little bit of faith and let's praise him one more time. Because you know what? If you don't like praises, don't go to heaven. Because the Bible says they praised around the throne day and night. And they cry out holy. So let's going to sing this last chorus again. Amen. But I want you to be so free in your spirit. Reach out and touch heaven. Because the Bible says his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, that your kingdom come and your will be done. Father, I ask you tonight that you would invade us with your love and mercy tonight. Let the deep call onto the deep. Tonight we want to leave that our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we are children of God. We thank you, Father. The work you started, you will complete. And we glorify the name of Jesus that's above every name. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you're amongst us. You are the teacher. I ask you to bless every person people that are in pain right now but father you would relieve that pain right now in jesus name thank you for your anointing lord i thank you tonight that your name is manifest and we know you the one and only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent today is not about us it's about you so father i thank you for your word it sets us free we come out of a place of victory come out of a place that we are not obtaining to victory we are in victory amen Amen. we are the head and not the tail christ in us the hope of glory i'll give you all the praise in jesus name amen you can be seated you can hit the lights praise god welcome everyone blessings to you all just to recap last week, we were talking about the Our Father and we're going to continue on and, and sharing about the Our Father and sharing about we broke down in our Father, the Father God that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the, except through me. I'm glad you're listening. Awesome. So I'm trying to remember what I said now. So I don't double up. I'm joking. But the word father in the Greek is written. It means father. <laughs> so I'm not going <laughs> to. But Jesus didn't speak Greek. He would have spoke Aramaic. And the word father is Abba. The meaning is Abba father. He says our father, our Abba, our dad. And that would have just blown the minds of the Jews. Because that was that. They revered God that much. Hello? Yes, I know. What did he say that for? George, stop it. All right, she just dubbed you in. Yeah. <laughs> we needed an interpreter in the church, mate. I was, people would start walking out straight away. You know, like, heretics! Yeah, we've, I've been getting that. It's probably the season for heretics at the moment. We're all heretics right now, all right? What's a heretic, by the way? No, joking. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, thank God. At least you're listening. But it's to understand the Father through the Son. See, we said in days gone by, God spoke to us through the prophets. The Bible says God spoke to God through the prophets. But now, in these last days, He's spoken to us in His Son. Because no one knows the Father except the Son. And to know the Father is to know the Son. And no one can know the Son unless from the Holy Spirit. So they're co-equal. They're not, they're, not, they're not fighting for a position in the Trinity. The Trinity is not in any disorder. But they come to reveal one thing, the Father. 
If he says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus teaches them how to pray, our Father. And, and, and collectively, he didn't say my Father, he didn't say your Father. And I was saying that the, the Jewish culture at the time, they wouldn't even write God's name, Yahweh. They would abbreviate it because they have fear. That's how much they reckon their lips wouldn't do, do his name justice, so they would abbreviate it. And Jesus comes along and offends them all. And then he, talk, he brings God down to his level and says, he's my father. And you, go, you claim him to be equal with God? He says, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today, we, we touched on that a little bit. But today, I, want to, I was led by the Lord to talk about, um, give us this day our daily bread. And we might get to the next verse. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, in days gone by, if there's an old saying, you know, who's the breadwinner of the family? And it's normally a slang way of saying who, who's working in the family to, to bring food home. The breadwinner. And Jesus here says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never go hungry. Who knows that scripture? Who made in the old church? Who knows the song? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Who believes in me shall not thirst. And I will raise him up on the last day. Beautiful. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And I will touch on this. And forgive those who trespass. Some translation says sins. Some translation says debts. And we're going to talk about that if we get there. Either way, he's talking about us breaking God's law. Someone had a go on me once, he goes, do you believe the fall of Adam and because of Adam, mankind is created with a sin nature? I said, absolutely. He goes, then why should I pay for Adam's sin? Oh, I wasn't there. I said, that's a good point. But all right, let's just put Adam to the side. Have you ever sinned? He goes, yes. Well, you're going to pay for yours. So you can justify any way you want. But God was not trying to get you and trying to catch you out for your sin. He was trying to say, you come out of a sinful nature. Everyone reproduces after his own kind. You're accountable for your life once you come to the age of accountability. But he's saying, you know what? I'm not just going to go and pay for your sin. As in, oh, you lied, you cheated, you did this, you did that, you go for the bulldogs, you know. No, no, that's sins. He's not worried about that. He's worried about the fact that he can forgive you of your sins, but then you, but you remain the same. See, there was grace in the Old Testament. Who knows what grace means? Yes, David. Unmerited favor. Which is, means that in English, oh, wrong bloke. English, someone else? <laughs> I'm joking. It means I get favor from God that I didn't deserve, couldn't earn, couldn't buy it, couldn't give it to him. My grandmother can't give it to me. My grandfather, I can't, I can't inherit. I get grace because of his mercy, because of the cross. So unmerited Favor. So grace means that I don't get what I deserve. That's mercy. And grace says, but I get what I didn't deserve, which is his favor. So the Old Testament had grace. They used to sacrifice a lamb, a goat, an oxen, take it to the high priest. The high priest would take the lamb's blood and go into the holy of holies and, and offer the sacrifices. And then he'd walk out and say, it is finished on the, on the temple steps. Which means what? Which means... Their sins are, were covered and it's finished. The wrath of God is not on them. The problem with that was there was a, a lamb's blood and they have to do it again next Passover. And during the year, 
if they sinned, they had to offer up another sacrifice. There was guilt offerings, sin offerings, love offerings, trespass offerings, all these different types of offerings. And they were forgiven, and that God's wrath was not on them anymore. But guess what? The nature didn't change. Who they were was that sinful creature. Christ comes, who knew no sin, and became sin, and paid the penalty on the cross, that Adam and all his descendants, including me and you, were in Christ when he died. He was buried. He rose again to give us new life. Amen? Now we've been adopted into the family. That's why Paul says, because of Christ's freedom, we've been free. Start living in freedom. And I pray tonight you hear what I've got to say, that you will walk out of here knowing your Father in heaven, that there's a purpose and a plan for your life. And I'm going to knock off some myths, some sacred cows that we get taught, that the, the purpose and plan of your life is your plan and your purpose, that you told God that he's going to have to bless because that's what you want. <coughs> Wrong answer. He's going to prepare your heart and your life and your purpose and your plan. And when I submit to his will, then I'll be prosperous. He doesn't submit to my will. Some people get it wrong. They say, well, I asked God, he gave it. Praise God, he gave it because he loves you. But that's not his perfect will. His perfect will is exactly what I said, perfect. I thank God God didn't give me everything I prayed for in the beginning of my journey. I'll be busted and disgusted right now. Thank God he didn't give me a church when I wanted a church because I would have wrecked the church, wrecked the family and wrecked myself. Thank God God is a loving Father who only gives good gifts to His children when you're mature enough to handle what He's ready to give you. Amen? That's a true Father. And Jesus here says, Our Father, can we put it up there? Yeah, give us this day our daily bread. Now bread, go, go back because I've jumped the gun. Go back. If you've heard this taught in Sunday school, if you went to Christian school, Catholic school, whatever school, they would have taught you this prayer. And a lot of the times they'll teach you that this is food, which it is. We need daily bread every day to eat. The Bible talks a lot about bread. And it's interesting that if you understand the Jewish culture at the time, who understands that when they left Egypt out of slavery, the minute things got a bit hard, the minute things God didn't do things their way, the minute they got a bit, you know, how you going, they accused God of trying to kill them in the desert. True? You brought us out here to die, Moses? Don't you know where you're going? I thought God spoke to you. <laughs> Send us back to Egypt. Well, at least we had food there. They were prepared just to fill their bellies. Listen to this. They were prepared to go back to slavery because they were so used to being slaves. They were so used to being under bondage. They were so used to having three-course meals, uh, sorry, meals every day, because they obviously got food, because they're saying, at least we had food and drink in Egypt. So you'd rather be a slave just to fill your belly instead of being in the presence of God in the, in the desert. See, Moses understood God. When he says, you know what, these people, <laughs> I've had enough. Just, I'm going to send you to the promised land, but I'm not going. I'll just send an angel in front of you. And Moses says this. He says, Lord, if you don't come with us, I don't want to go. I'd rather stay in the desert with you in your presence than be in a promised land flowing with milk and honey and having all the money and all the cars and all the prestige if you're not part of my presence. What did he have, Moses, that the others didn't have? And he says that 
they were complaining about food. So the Bible says that manna came down from heaven. The Pharisees tell Jesus, and he's arguing with Jesus, they say, Moses gave us manna in the desert. He goes, Moses didn't give it to you, my father did. But look what they said about the manna. The manna, the Bible says, is angel food. Also says the manna was there every morning. So what they had to do is they had to get up every morning and collect manna. It was like they call it a, a seed. It was a seed. And it tastes like a wafer. So like bread. And every morning they had to go and collect enough for their family. No more, no less. Just enough. Five people in your home, ten people in your home, get enough for them. Don't get any more, just get enough for your family because I want you to understand that I'm your provider. I'm going to give you bread every day and I want you to trust me because you've been in slavery, or slavery and you don't know where your next meal's coming from. You don't know, but I want to trust you. I want you to understand how much I love you, that I've fulfilled my promises. Every morning you get the manna, go and eat it. Trust me, eat it all because next morning there'll be manna in the morning. I'm trying to trust you that I can provide. But if you get more than what you're supposed to, it's going to go off and moldy. And worms will be in it. And the Bible says, many came and got what the Lord said through Moses, and they had enough. Next morning they woke up, no way, manna. And they gave it enough manna just for their household, and they went inside, and next morning they woke up, manna again. But the ones that didn't trust God, what did they do? They gave it more than they needed. But guess what happened? It wasn't more than they needed because they didn't have anything left over because it went moldy and went... And when worms were in it. Now, could have God made them... Am I walking too much? Could um, nice pointing at me. Could have God made the manna last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? Because we know in the, on the Sabbath, they were allowed to take more than they needed for the two days, so they weren't allowed to go outside on the Sabbath. So the manna would last. So why didn't he just make the manna last for a week and just get as many as you want? Because you know what he was trying to teach them? That he's his daily bread. That the manna wasn't just about food. That every day I wake up, God's going to provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. Every day. Now, someone would tell me, well, what are you trying to say, Tony? We don't have to work? No, dopey. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if the manna came down... Sorry, babe, I meant, I was not gonna, I'll take that back. Cut that. Edit that. These dopes, right, they get up every morning and there was manna. But if I was to say to you, we're, we're, we're in our tents... And we get up in the morning and he goes, would you believe that? There's manna again. But you never go out and get the manna. Are you going to eat? You're not going to eat. God's provided it. Your job is to go and get it. See, did he not give them the promised land? Did he say, I might have given it to you just in case there's a few giants there. Look, just take a couple of M16s. Take a couple of levos. I'll get them, sort them out. A couple of Assyrians. Don't take the Armenians. They never leave. But anyway, the... <laughs> couple of Aussies. No, no, he says, I've given this land. So when they got to the land, the 12 spies looked at it and said, who, was the two, who had faith and who didn't have faith? Joshua, Caleb. They said, yep, we can take the land. God gave it to us. And the other 10 said, no, man, look at these giants. We're like grasshoppers in this side. Look at them. They're, they're people of war. Look at the cities they've built. Who knows that the majority said no, but the, two, the, the minority said yes. You know what? The majority is not always right. Go through the whole scripture. There'll always be a remnant that doesn't agree with the majority. See, sometimes the majority is not right. They've got the biggest church. They've got the biggest flow. They've got the biggest... It doesn't make them right. 
Because look what happened. You talk about faith, right? Isn't it interesting that we will believe the lie of the devil more than the promises of God? Well, I'm pretty quiet here in this church. We would believe what the enemy is going to do and magnify that greater than what God is about to do. Why? The ten spies went back. Not only did they say, you know, you could argue, man, look, you know, what? That, how are we going to do this? And Caleb says, yeah, let's get the land. Joshua says, yeah, we can take this land. The ten came back. And not only did they come back and say they give a bad report, they went and perverted the whole tribes and spread rumours that this is no good. And everyone turned and then unbelief hit the camp. And guess what? They went around the mountain. But the two said, yes. Guess who out of those twelve made it in the promised land eventually? The two that had faith. The two that believed what God said. And every day he says, I'm trying to teach you. Give us this day our daily bread. So I don't believe, and yes, he's talking about food, but I don't believe he's talking about food because Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Eat from me. You know, look what they said in Numbers. This is the Bible calls it angel food. The Bible calls it food from heaven. God provided heaven. Numbers 21.5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Now stop right here. Be very careful. You attack a man or a woman or a, anyone of God because you don't understand what God's doing in their life because if you attack what God's doing through someone, guess what? You're fighting God. I'm not saying that so you can, I can do what I want. I'm just saying, when, when the church, listen to me, when the, when, when the church was getting persecuted in the book of Acts, um, Saul was rounding them up and putting them in jail, was he not? And he had a, you know what, he was given an authority to do this. Where was he going? He was going to Syria on the road to Damascus to do what? As if there wasn't enough Christians in Jerusalem. He goes, oh, let's, go to, let's go to Syria and let's, let's round them all up as well. And on his way, he gets knocked off a horse. And the Bible says that a light shone. Jesus appeared to him. He didn't know it was Jesus. The two with him heard the voice, heard the sound, but couldn't but hear it. He says, Saul, listen to what he says. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he says, who are you, Lord? He goes, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. But who was Saul persecuting? The church, the believer. And Jesus takes that personal. Here, they attack the man of God, anointed by God. And we can go back and show you when they even, even, even Moses' brother Aaron came against him and his sister came against him. And we can talk about Aaron's rod that's in the Ark of the Covenant one day. And we'll talk about how you know, God ordained them to be the leaders. But here, they didn't just speak against Moses. They spoke against God. And if you look at the Hebrew translation, it's not like they said, come on, God, what are you doing? <laughs> they were cursing God out. They spoke against him and Moses. And have you, this, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food here and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, my word has become like loathing to people's souls because they don't want to know truth anymore. Because they want to be blessed, but they don't want to pay a price for the blessing. If you hear truth by the word, does it convict you? It should. If it condemns you, then you're not listening to the gospel. The devil condemns. God convicts. But is, it, is, it, is, the, bread, is the word of God become like loathe to your soul? 
we love this. He said, what a harsh word. It's like, it's like I'm disgusted to eat this anymore. And sometimes we get like this through the word of God. Why? Because the enemy puts lies in our head or we haven't got what we are supposed to get. And then when we read the promises of God, you think, but hang on, that says that. And that guy got blessed, but he was only here yesterday. But I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm not blessed. And it becomes worthless to us, the word of God. Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But what's not going to pass away? His word. Who is the word? Who's the, Jesus is the word. The only time the Holy Spirit could fall on the earth. He came down. He came upon people. He worked through people. He helped people in, in the whole Old Testament. But the only time the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and stayed was on the word. Jesus being the word. And because the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. When Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, yes, we're talking about communion, the Holy Communion, but we're also talking about His Word. We're actually talking about more about His Word, because I'm going to show you something here. But don't allow the Word of God to be worthless, because in the Our Father, He goes, give us this day our daily bread. Who gives the bread? God. If you're not getting fed by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, and you're hearing words outside the Bible, you're not getting fed. People say to me all the time, Tony, talking to this guy about forgiveness one day. And I get it. Listen, I've been around long enough to know. When you've been hurt, when you've been betrayed, when you've been abused, when you've been used, and oh, it's hard to forgive. I'm not going to stand here and say, yeah, just forgive and move on. No. But as I've known, and I eat his daily bread every day, it's not me who's forgiving anymore. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And if I don't feed on his word, how can I forgive? How can I release? Someone gets me, oh, that's great theology. He said to me once, he says, can you forgive a pedophile? I said, I have. I got set free when I was eight years old. I had to look. You know what? And it was amazing. When God brought it up, I got saved and I got set free and God set me free and I was preaching the gospel and then things would pop up in my spirit, pop up in my heart later and I'd think about that event and I'd think about the situation and I was thinking, wow, have I really dealt with this Lord? And the Lord one day would speak to me. Just, I'd be driving and it would just pop into my head and one day I was, I was doing something and the Lord says, are you free? I said, yeah, amen, I'm free, Lord. And it, it was, I was doing something that triggered the memory of it and I said, but Lord, I'm free. He goes, and then walk as a free man. And ever since that day, I've been helping people all with that problem. You know why? Because it's such a dark, deep secret. But you know what? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Now, I can't tell you how to do it. I can tell you to go to the one who can help you do it. Because I ate on his daily bread. I want to show you something. Let's go to John chapter 6. It's a little bit of a story here. What did Jesus say to the devil? We're going to go to John chapter 6, verse 23. But before I go there, isn't it interesting, in the wilderness, God provided manna. He also provided quail, meat, he provided water. But in the desert, the first thing the devil tempted him with was bread. Eat. What was the first temptation in the garden? Tell me while I'm drinking. Anyone? <laughs> Somebody! I can't hear. Eat. Eat what? It wasn't apple. Come on, how many times do I have to tell you? 
I reckon, personally, I reckon it was a passion fruit because they're the ugliest things to eat. But that's my theory. No, what was it? Don't partake of that tree. Because God didn't want you to know good and evil. He just wanted you to know him. I often say this, God, Adam in the garden didn't know right from wrong or good or bad or evil or good. They just knew God. And they partook of something that, that they were, and we'll talk about this in the next one of the Our Father, they, he became treasonous and he trespassed in an area he was never meant to go. So eat. So the temptation was to partake of. Something about eating, it's partaking. Everything we do is around food, especially if you're a walk. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, I can't say that in church. But if, even if you're an ethnic that's come off a boat with, um, without a visa, like us, all right? Every time you do something, you have food, you know? We, oh, it's my 46 and a half year old birthday. Yeah, it's my baby's three and a half weeks old. Yeah, I have a party. Food, you get engaged. Food, you have a party. Food. And culturally, food is a, a gathering. It's a communion. We all get together around food. If you look at Jesus, I challenge anyone. He didn't really, really preach in temples and churches. You know what he preached on? The dinner table. Pastor Chaz, my old mentor, told me that. He goes, you want to win your kids? Get around the dinner table and speak to them about the Lord. Because when someone's eating food, the senses are down. What did Jesus do? He taught at the dinner table. You read it for yourself. He was in the Pharisee's house eating. He was this guy eating. What was he doing? He was preaching to them at their level on a table of fellowship. Even in the, in the Acts, what it says, they went about breaking bread daily and speaking of or preaching the apostles' doctrine. Daily. And in John 6, 3, let's read this. Uh, this is just after Jesus fed the 5,000 and they believed there was 15,000 there. 5,000 men, they say. So women and children, they fed them all. And now he's going across to the other side, but the disciples went to the other side, but he wasn't with them, but he ended up on the other side. However, the other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and they came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. Now stop there. I heard this today. They were seeking Jesus. That's a good thing, yeah? Seeking Jesus? It's a good thing. We need people to be hunger for Jesus. I need to seek Jesus. Who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. He's seeking Jesus. But sometimes we seek Jesus for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we seek Jesus to fill our belly or we need something from him. But are we willing to seek him for him? That's a good question, eh? In the beginning, we're seeking for everything because we're broken. I was seeking him for peace. When I felt that peace, I needed more of the peace. But as time goes on, I no longer was seeking Jesus for the things I wanted because what I wanted wasn't in his plan. I didn't know it at the time. But as long as I seek him for him. I want to get to know him. I want him, because if I get him, I get everything. And here is they're seeking Jesus. And Jesus being the political correct person that he was, which he wasn't, it's a joke. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And then look what Jesus says. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you only seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. <laughs> you would think that Jesus was promoting his ministry. Today at 12 o'clock in the park, we're going to have signs and wonders. They come and he fed, you know, five loaves and two fishes and fed 15,000 people. And then he does the runner and they follow him. He goes, nah, it's worked. The promotion worked, you know. He says, but you only follow me because you ate, not because you seek the sign. How many of us follow Jesus because he gave us something and we want more of it? 
You know what he was saying here? He goes, Jesus comes into your world and blesses you, gives you a nice house, nice car, nice job. And, uh, and we say, we want more of that, Lord. But do you seek him for him? I could write a book on how many people got blessed by God through financial blessings and no longer in the church today because it took them away from him. Here he says, you seek me because your stomachs are full. Next verse. Do not labor for food which is perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Next verse. And they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Stop. That's a question I get asked every day. What's my purpose? What am I meant to do in the kingdom? What am I supposed to do in, the, in, in this world? What's my calling? What's my gifting? What's my ministry? What can I do to help? What? I get it all the time. It's an awesome question. I remember years ago, God was moving powerfully in deliverance and, and moving power in signs and wonders. And it's just like, I've stopped trying to work out God. Let's put it that way. Why that last six months, everyone was getting healed. The next six months, no one got healed. And, and, and why this guy? And I, I just do what God tells me to do now. And someone came up to me and goes, I want to learn this. I want to do that. I want to get more powerful in this. I want to do... I said to him, get to know Jesus. So I've learned any formula I give you, I need to get in prayer. I need to seek his face. I need to pray in the spirit. I need to <laughs> fast. I need to give. I need to, I need to do all those things. But they don't make me more anointed. It just gets me into a place to hear what God's got to say to me. Because you know how we talked about frequency? We are got that many frequencies going on that we put 2GB on and we get triple M. The other day I put a, 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 a station on and some Asian guy was talking to me. You know, and I thought, wow, he's, I was trying to see if I could do an interpretation, but I had no idea. I had two channels. Have you ever had a radio back in the old days? We used to have, to, we used to have a dial. That's I'm showing my age now. We used to have a dial and the dial would go like that and like that and you try and get the frequency. And when you crossed over two channels, you hear two people talking. You, know, like a, you hear the races and the footy at the same time. What shall we do that we may do the work of God? And what did Jesus say? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. Just believe in him. Because if you believe in him, not the belief of the enemy, because the Bible says the devil believes and he trembles. The devil believes. See, to believe is to act on what you believe. Look what he says next verse. Therefore, he said to them, what sign will you perform? They said, sorry, what sign will you perform? Look, straight away, believe in me. So now they want proof. <laughs> I've heard this all my life. Oh, man, that was amazing. I came to church, but I didn't feel nothing. I said, what do you want? Angels to fall out of the sky? And... Look, what do you want? Here, he says, believe in me. And he said, they say to him, all right, show us the sign. Prove it. Give me something so I can go back and tell my mum that I'm on the right track and not on a cult. Because that's how I used to think. I remember first I started praying in tongues in front of everyone. I thought they'll get believers. They go, this guy needs a mental hospital. And that. Therefore, he said to them, what sign, what, they said, what sign will you perform that they may see it and believe you? What work will you do? What is it? Show us, Jesus. Come on, brother. Come on. Lay it on us. And look what Jesus says. Therefore, our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it was written. I just read this earlier. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And then Jesus said to them, Moses, surely I say unto you, Moses did not give you that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread, which is from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What is the true bread, people? When you say the Our Father, because most of us say it from a religious sense, just Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will. We say it, it's beautiful, say it. But you, last week we understood the first two lines. And now he's saying, give us this day our daily bread. What, what bread is he talking about? Talking about Jesus. You see, if you don't know him, you can say the Our Father 47,000 times a day and it ain't going to benefit you nothing. Because he says, believe in me. Look at the next verse. Is it, do I have the next verse? I didn't give you the next verse. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Keep going. I'm enjoying this. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall not thirst. But I, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. And that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will no means cast out. You know, we're so safe in Jesus' arm. If you really believe and you come to him, he will never cast you out. You know, there's not one recorded incident in the Bible that when they came to Jesus, they never got what they came for. What about the time he went to his village and they, he couldn't do many miracles? It doesn't say he wouldn't, he just said he couldn't because of their unbelief, because they never showed him honour. And the Bible says that he did a few miracles, but that's about it. Never, there's no one, oh please, come on, please, I'll challenge anyone to go and find an incident where someone came to Jesus and they never got what they needed. Not what they wanted, what they needed. Can, is there one? Is there one? Because Jesus came to, to, to do the Father's will. What was the Father's will? To seek and save the lost. It's okay to get, find someone and bring them back to the light. That's our job. But after that, what do we do? What are we meant to do? Because I don't read anywhere in the Bible. So, for example, Jesus doesn't heal today. Okay, well, that's your opinion, not Jesus' opinion. Or Jesus doesn't do miracles today. Well, that, that's your opinion, not Jesus'. And you go through the whole scripture. If he's the same yesterday and today and forever, then you're lying to yourself and you don't believe and you can't eat his daily bread. But that's just beyond me, Tony. It's good. Because God is so beyond me, I don't want to limit God based on my opinion and my religion. I want to believe him for him. Because every time I eat his food, guess what? Another part of me dies, but something grows inside me to know him. You don't know how free I am. I don't know how free I am. But people say, oh, I'm free, Tony. Yeah, not to do what you want. The Bible says we were a slave to sin. Now we are a slave to righteousness. See, Jesus loves us that much. And Jesus wants to set us free that much. And sometimes we get this idea that Jesus is just dangling a carrot and every time we get close, he moves. Like we just did now to the young fellow. He wouldn't, so we gave him a biscuit. So keep five there just in case he gets the brownie. Give him another biscuit. But God doesn't do that. It might seem sometimes he does that. I don't hear God anymore. I'm struggling now. But you know what God is doing? God is there 24-7. But God is allowing you to die to yourself that he can live. 
Everyone's got an opinion on something, let's be honest. Opinions are like armpits. Everyone's got two. But I, <laughs> I want to share something that... Let me, who, who's been in the church for, say, a year? My son, with a smiley. Who's been, when I say church, who's been in the Word or uh, for the last five years? Ten years? Twenty years? So everyone here hasn't been saved yet. Look at that, wow. All right, come up, we'll have an altar call. Please come up if you know Jesus Christ. is I've got enough water to baptise you. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at, if you've been around long enough, you've heard every sermon, every theory. You don't have to just press a button on YouTube and you'll get a hundred different, you'll get the same topic with a hundred different versions of it. True? Very true. And we've got to the place where, because the Bible says in the last days knowledge will increase. Many will go to and fro. Daniel, prophecy. And that, that accounts for the church. There's so many messages. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm just saying is, when does it come time that the Holy Spirit becomes your teacher? Because what will happen is, I'm not getting fed like I'm supposed But the one next door, they look like they're having a revival and we'll go jump over to the next revival. Until someone upsets them there and then they go to someone else. There was a story of a man, Christian man. He wanted to go on a mission trip. Anyway, he got blown off course and he got shipwrecked on an island. There's no one there. 25 years he lived there. Anyway, one day a boat spotted him on a satellite, found him. And they go, I can't believe we found you. I can't believe you found me. He said, oh, how did you survive? He says, well, I learned how to, you know, I prayed, I asked God to teach me, so he taught me how to fish. I've never fished in my life. I started catching fish. He taught me how to hunt. I started hunting and making food. I started taking fruit off the tree. I started making food. He goes, that's fascinating. 25 years. He goes, yeah. And you survived. I go, yeah, by God's grace. He says, what's that building there? Because that's my house. He says, how did you build it? He goes, I just broke, you know, I just learned how to build. I just taught myself how to build a house. That's fantastic. What's that building there? Oh, that's the church I go to. He goes, wow, that's awesome. What's that building there? He goes, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> because you never please man. The moral of the story is you'll never please. There's always something to pick. But if the Holy Spirit becomes my teacher, I'm getting fed. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you don't need a teacher and you don't need a pastor, you don't need an apostle, you don't need a prophet. That's, not, that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that your reliance has to be, if you get into the Word of God, whatever the Word says to you, it starts to grow inside you. That's your true daily bread. Because when you get accustomed or addicted, I should say, to man and man's words, then that man's words eventually will start becoming loathed manner ugly manner in your sight and God's saying no 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 if we allow the Holy Spirit to be in the midst of every situation you know what you start to grow from the inside out see we've got to stop looking from the outside in look what they got look what we got what can we do you know I, 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 you've got to start looking from the inside say Lord what is it in me that still is not dead I was sharing with my brother at the back there at work about bit of my sermon which I haven't shared yet because I haven't even got past the first sentence of our father and I was talking about forgiving our debts and some translation says debt and some translation says trespasses and some translation says sin and I'll explain that if we get time 
And that very minute, someone rang me about a job, and I'm blowing up, and I hung up the phone, and he says to me, forgive those who trespass against you. <laughs> I looked at him. I said, i just get a new job. Uh, but he was right. The minute, uh, not even a minute after I started to share what I was sharing, three, two, three phone calls from work, and, uh, and I was blowing up, like, what, are you serious? What a liar. And he goes, forgive those who trespass against you. You'll get tested on the very thing that you preach or you want to preach. Why? The enemy loves to test you out. I want, more, I want to show more love. The next day God will send you someone you don't look. I can't love this guy. <laughs> I want more patience. The next day you'll get a job or a person that, oh man, this guy's... Who, who, who agrees with me? Every time you decide to step out in faith, guess what? The enemy comes and throws something. What does that mean? It means that you know what, I've got a bit more dying to do. I don't have as much love as I thought. I don't have as much faith as I thought. But don't get discouraged, guys. People say to me all the time, I just don't feel, I had this excitement with the Lord, but now I feel like a bit down. Okay, you know why? Because your flesh is starting to rise up against the Spirit. And it's not a demonic attack half the time. It's just you trying to get rid of what you already know. See, some people are so used to the old nature, you don't want to let go of it. And God says, you can't redeem the old nature, you have to crucify it. Bible says, take up your cross daily. What does it mean, take up your cross daily? My pet hate is, oh, I've got a sick child, that's my cross. I've got a bad husband, that's my cross. I've got a bad marriage, that's my cross. My wife doesn't know how to cook, that's my... No, I've got the best cooking wife, so please don't, I'm not saying... But they think that's my cross to bear. That's a load of baloney. That's not your cross. See, what happens on a cross, people? What happened to Jesus on the cross? So if I have to take up... See, Jesus' cross is not my cross. But what my cross is to die daily. In other words, what happens on a cross? Someone dies. He says, take up your cross daily. What does he say? You must die daily because the flesh wants to rise up every day. So you can redeem your spirit and you can have satisfaction and save your soul. But your flesh ain't going with you. And while you're on this earth, the enemy will poke you and poke you and poke you. And if you don't kill that, then he's got you. But when I die to myself, if I'm dead, you can't hurt me. I'm dead. Aren't you offended what I said about you? I'm dead. You can't offend a dead man. But when he starts to think, hang on, what do he say? I don't care what people say. What do he say? <laughs> Tell me what they said. I heard this, watching this guy uh, sing today on his shirt. that says, if we're going to talk about someone, talk about Jesus. <laughs> we're all on that journey of sanctification. We're all on that journey where the Holy Spirit is bringing stuff out of us. And I've learned to not get discouraged when I'm not where I want to be. I've learned to say, you know what, there's still stuff in me, but thank God God's got a hold of it. Because I believe in Him. Amen? What time is it? Have I gone over here? See, the ones that answered the one to get out of here. So it's a trick. <laughs> yeah. What do you book dinner, have you? <laughs> What'd you cook? <laughs> Psalm 119. Give us his day our daily bread. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So I really want to challenge you on how much are you willing to pay a price to know him? I run a business. I've got workers. I've got a family. But none, none of that's going to take a, my, my time with him. It can. Don't get me wrong. But I won't allow. Once I know that I'm hanging on, I'm getting consumed, I've got to come back to him. Even if it's at a traffic light. Even if it's 
sneaking away to walk out of a job site just to pray and come back. Because I don't want to lose his presence. Because the minute you walk away from his presence, you'll start, you know what happens? Ah, yeah, he's a good bloke. Yeah, you know, he's not actually not a really good bloke. Actually, you know what, he's out of order. The camera. The Bible says that you isolate yourself to your own destruction. We need the family of God to work. Jesus is not coming back for you individually. He's coming back for the church, the bride. You want to isolate yourself? The Bible says the enemy takes you out. There's a time to be alone, don't get me wrong, but that's not isolation. He'll take you out, and next thing you know, you don't have to be off one degree. One degree from here to that door is not far. From here to Liverpool, it's very far. Imagine 10 years going down the wrong track as a believer. You know, I often think this daily bread where he says this, this, food, is, this food is like, it, it's ugly to our souls. You know what it is? It's not trusting in his word because, you know, I better go here to get prayer and I better go here to get communion and I better go here to go to this church and I better, you know, I, I better read this sermon and I, and I heard this sermon the other day and I, I'm not satisfied in my soul and, and, and I just need to come to get prayer. I just, I just need the miracle touch of God. But they're not willing to sit and get fed and get the anointing to come upon them. I'm not saying anyone else is bad. But you know, the question is, where do you belong? Why did... It blows my mind how Paul, Saul, was, became Paul, who knew the first five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, off by heart. Have you read Leviticus? Please. It will cure for insomnia, honestly. Like, it's like watching soccer. Same thing. <laughs> Sorry to all you soccer fans. But he knew it off by heart. By well, the age of 12, I think he, knew, he had, uh, knew the whole Old Testament. He was a rabbi, a Jew of all Jews, circumcised on the eighth day uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. He gave all these credentials, right? My mind says when he got saved, I would leave him in Jerusalem because he's the only one who could argue with the rabbis and argue with the Pharisees. But God says, go to the backside of the desert. Go to Macedonia. Go to um, you know, Asia Minor. Go to Ephesians. Go to Philippi. Go to probably the same place, you know, all these places. He took a man that could argue, because he eventually did argue with him, but he took a man and sent him there. And then he sent a fisherman into the religious people. Then he sent Thomas to India, and then he sent, I want to know who went to Lebanon. He's got a few answers, that guy, you know. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is God fits you in the family according to his will. Don't go to church for the sake of going to church. Don't join a group because it's nice. Go and find out where God wants you to be fed, because if this is your home, you're going to get meat. Start chewing. Come on, we're not running out of time, man. Christ is on his way back. Everyone's been saying that for 2,000 years. That's what they said when, and only you repeat. Listen, whether he comes back tomorrow or comes back in 100 years, he says, occupy till I come. So I'm occupying till he comes. I'm living like, I don't know when he's coming, but he could come back tomorrow. I don't want to be found asleep. And God's miracle power is working. All right, Psalm and I'll close. People say to me, how do I, I'm struggling, Tony. Okay. But when I'm in church, I feel good. When you pray for me, I feel good. When I get out there, I'm struggling. Okay. We've all been there. What, what prayer should I pray? Oh, I can't give you a certain prayer. What song should I play? <laughs> how should I stand when I pray? Do I have to kneel? Do I, I get it all. I'm not mocking anyone. Because... We don't know who he is yet. But the first thing I say to him, do you know his word? 
Not as a scholar, not as a theologian, but do you know him? Can you just talk about him? You know, often say talking about the Lord is bragging about your older brother. I brag about my father in heaven, how good he is. But look what it says in Psalm 19. With all my heart I have sought you. I've let me, what's that? Is that the right one? Can we go to verse 9? Start with verse 9. Sorry. How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. Next one. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How will I keep my ways clean? Or how do I do a walk? How do I walk this walk, this, this holy walk that I'm not an unholy man? He says, he says, go back to verse 9 for me, please. How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. You know what taking heed means? Listen. It's like saying, you better listen very carefully. I'm warning you, don't lose his word. That's what he's saying here. And this word I've hidden in my heart. What is that? Rabbis have been talking about the last six years. Because if the word doesn't penetrate your heart, all you're having is an experience. You're not walking in his favor and love. God looks in the deep depths of our heart. If I understand his word, not as a theologian, please don't misunderstand me, you know, where the dinosaurs come from, and is Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 a million years, or is it actually 1 to Don't worry about that. I want you to understand who he is, because if you understand him, guess what? The Holy Spirit will fall on his word. He'll fall on his word. I've had that many encounters with the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, they weren't in church. I'm not going to tell you where I've had them, but some of you would leave the room. Because he's not limited to a box. God does not dwell in any man-made temples anymore. Please get that out of your heads. God does not dwell in man-made temples. He dwells in the hearts of his people. Amen. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Start walking like a temple. Feed your word. Feed on his bread daily. He's giving you bread daily. Sometimes we think God's holding. No, he's not withholding. He wants you to understand him through his word. And then when you understand him through his word, guess what the Holy Spirit does? Magnifies him. So when I have a problem, I saw this picture once. I was going to do it. But What's greater, your problem or God? So why do we magnify our problem greater than God? Because it's our perception. True? True? If Je Jesus walked in the room right now, physically, is anybody here have any doubts that Jesus could do a miracle? Heal the sick, raise the dead. Any doubt? If he walked in. But he's here. Think about that a second. I heard this guy, what happens when someone doesn't get healed, Lord? And we're talking about these old mentors of mine on Zoom one day. And I asked him the hardest question. Why don't they all get healed? He goes, thanks for the good question, you know. He says, this is how we were taught. Let's say someone now got sick, dropped dead. Praise, I hope it does not happen. And I laid hands and prayed and I exhausted the faith I have to the limit 
and nothing happened. Then Doreen comes and lays hands. And then John comes and then Rabs comes, then Mary comes and everyone, every one of us have a go. It's a lot of faith and nothing happened. And we will stand up and say, it mustn't be God's will for him to be healed. True, true, let's be honest. We've all had a go. Maybe it's time for him to go home. Then there's a knock on the door and the door opens up and Jesus walks in. All of a sudden our theology just went out the window. Jesus is here. He'll be up in a second. Does anyone have any doubt that he would raise him from the dead? None. Just because we couldn't do it, oh, it mustn't be God's will. Don't limit God to your experience. Limit, don't limit God at all. His word is higher than us. Because if he walked in the door, none of us would have any doubt that he would raise him from the dead. That's the faith he wants. See, when you have the God kind of faith, or the faith of God, sometimes that comes by the Holy Spirit. When I was in Brazil, and all of a sudden, had praying for this guy with a broken arm who never got fixed. It's a dead limb. Cut it up and dead limb. This is not just like, I've got a bit of a sore shoulder, pray, praise God, go home. Yeah, we healed someone. This is like dead flesh. And I walked up to him. I grabbed his arm. So I did everything I knew. I'm looking behind me. Where's, where's Pastor Celia? This is, can't you give me a headache first time in Brazil? <laughs> maybe a toenail or something? Or maybe they needed a parking spot, but they, this guy's got a dead arm. So I pick it up. I said, can you squeeze my hand? He looks at me. I thought, maybe he doesn't understand English. I go to the interpreter. I tell him in Portuguese. He goes, I did. <laughs> he can't move his hand. It's dead. So I touched his hand here, cold. Like there's no, there's no blood supply. He had a motorbike accident and he was poor, so he never got it fixed. So I go, okay, faith in Jesus' name. Let go of it. Anyway. So I picked that up. So I'm doing this. I'm doing like, I'm, like I'm a surgeon. You know, I'm, I did this in the camera. I'm doing this. And I went like this. He went, ah! Oh! I went, ah! Oh! <laughs> I went, what happened? He goes, don't touch that. It's the nerve damage is up here. So it's all dead. So it's dead. But the nerve here, he jumped. I went, ah, God, that's it. We're going to die in Brazil and then we're going to come home. I got scared. I went, all right. I thought, okay, that's it. Move on to the next person. But I stood there and all of a sudden, I said, what happened? He said to me in Portuguese that, you know, when he broke that part of the arm, is the nerves, but everything else is dead. All of a sudden, I walk up to his arm. And I don't know where this come from, but I just know that when the Bible says the gift of faith came upon me, it was a faith that wasn't mine. And it's like the Holy Spirit dressed. I, I didn't feel anything. I just felt faith. So I walked up to him. I started pinching his arm. He's going, I'm slapping his arm. I'm slapping it. Can you feel anything? Five minutes ago, I went like that. He jumped. Hear that? And then all of a sudden, he went like that. And I went, are you joking? Like, <laughs> I was more shocked than him. No, I didn't know, am I allowed to stay longer, pray, whatever. There was people everywhere for prayer. But he went like that. And I could slap him. And his mate or his dad or an old man was freaking out. Because I just touched him. But we know what happened. I had an experience with the faith of God or the gift of faith that the Bible talks about. So I was operating in the faith of God that was outside of me. The minute I walked over, that left me. Don't explain it. But God is saying, that's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to believe for. Because see, when I get out of the way, guess who's, gonna, guess who's the healer? Who gets the credit? Who gets the power? Who's all the power? Who's got all the glory? Not me. See, when we get in the way, oh, well, no, nah, no, nah, I prayed, nothing happened. So what? But when I eat his daily bread, guess what? I, I become 
like him. I get to know him. I start operating like him. And when I start to operate like him, be very careful. Listen to me, be very careful. You don't take the glory. And the final thing, next week. In Matthew 6, 9. AJ, please. Let's go to... Have we gone? Praise God. Huh? We give him out or... Do it now. Give us this day our daily bread. Next verse. The New King James says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What's going to go around now is that we're going to have communion together. And I'm not going to preach on this too much because I'll go next week. This translation says debtors. You'll read translations that says trespassers. Some say sin. All mean the same thing. But I want to show you something. We in this modern generation, thank you, we in this modern generation as the 21st century, we, 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 we know what sin is in the sense that it's something's bad. Or we've, you know, it's sin against, uh, a sin is lying and cheating. You know, we, we've got this idea of sin. But we never understand the debt of sin, do we? Who here thinks that if I lied today, cheated, done something, I'm not trying to pick anyone out, we don't believe we owe someone anything. I lied. That's a white lie. I never hurt anybody. Whatever. So we don't believe that there's a debt to the sin. And when we think of 21st century, because when you go outside now, that's a sin, according to who? You get what I'm trying to say? In the Middle Ages, they used to say trespassers because they understood that a trespass is breaking of God's law. I trespassed, or if someone goes into your house, what's he doing? He's coming into the boundary that he's not allowed to be there. He's got no authority in your house. You ring up the police, they arrest him. Now he's got a, a debt to pay. But in the early church, if you look at the early church, they understood debt. How did they understand debt? In the early church, they were Jews. And in the Jewish culture, they understood that sin, there was a penalty to sin. And then the Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. Okay. So in order for a Jew to get forgiven, as we said, there's a grace, someone had to pay a price. Are you with me? When Adam sinned in the garden, he covered himself, because he saw himself naked, and covered himself with fig leaves. That's the first religion on earth. I am trying to do something to cover my shame. And God says, what have you done? Then he says, the Bible says he covered him with skin or fur, which shows that he killed an animal. Blood was shed in order for them to be covered. Are you with me? In the Old Testament, every time there was a sin offering, they'd get either a pigeon or a dove. When the Passover was a lamb, a ram, an ox. Because they said there was a debt they had to pay. And in their eyes, once you commit sin, in God's eyes, you'll commit treason. And because you've gone into an atmosphere or a dimension that's not yours and you're killing someone because God's life died in the garden. What I mean by that, when God breathed into Adam, he was a living being. He was just like God. He had the image of God and he was in the likeness of God. The minute he sinned, are you with me still? 
the minute he sinned, Adam still was in the image of God, but he was no longer like him. Something died in his spirit. And for God to redeem, he killed an animal to cover up. That was just a cover up. And that was a shadow of what was to come. But when Jesus came, he who knew no sin, who became sin, guess what he did? He, we know the story if you've been along, but he actually released us from the debt. Romans says, while you remain in sin, sin is your master. And now you're still under bondage. But when you're no longer sin is your master, you go from being a slave to sin to become a slave or a son of righteousness. You get me? So when we go to this point here, yes, it's a trespass. Yes, it's a sin. But think of it from the old perspective. The Bible says we've been bought at a price. Who knows that scripture? Quickly. We've been bought at a price. So Christ shed his blood and paid the price. Who did he pay? Who did he pay? If Jesus shed his blood, did he pay the devil? He paid the Father. See, we transgress God's law through Adam. Right? And there was a payment due. So God says, you know what I'm going to do? Jesus, he says, prepare me a body. Comes down and he takes on the punishment that we deserve, that we could not pay. And he pays the ultimate price with his blood. So now, listen to me, people. If we don't eat his daily bread, how are we going to forgive? Ask, we will, very easy, we ask God to forgive us our debts or our sin or our trespasses. Very easy. All of us want that. Amen. We all want to be forgiven. And then it says, as we forgive our debtors, or people who have sinned against us, or people who trespass against us, if you want to be relieved from your debt, you must relieve someone else from his. Because then we can go through the whole Our Father, and after the Our Father, look what he says. And if you don't forgive, after all that, he goes, and if you don't forgive, guess what? My Heavenly Father won't forgive you. You know, I often say, that's a bit harsh. And people have tried to explain that. And he's talking to the Jews because we're under the blood now. We've been forgiven. Because yeah, but hear his heart. If you don't forgive, you're bound by that unforgiveness. And guess what? The love of the Father, the forgiveness of the Father cannot flow through you. That's why he says he debts. But it's the only way I know I've been forgiven. Because from a Jewish perspective, they were full of works. They had to do something to get saved. Out of a Greek perspective, out of a, a non, uh, non-Jew perspective, they would sacrifice their children to get saved, to, to appease the gods. Or they would try and philosophize and, and intellectualize everything. So they had their own version of the blood. But here, when we eat his daily bread, we've got to know that we are forgiven. Because a free man will live out of freedom. But have you ever heard anyone trying to talk you up and he's not even free himself? Have you seen those people? They give you advice. I've got uncles like that. You go to their house, they tell you how life is and they haven't moved off their couch for 20 years. And he's going to teach me financial advice. Or you go get financial advice from your barber or something, you know, like that, you know. But show me someone who's free. See, what attracted to Jesus that he had a man of authority and a man who spoke with authority and he was free. He says, who the sun sets free? It's free indeed. So forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. Why? 
so we can forgive others. Because you know what? You want to be like God? You want to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Forgive. Because you know what? Go through the whole Bible and there's more about unforgiveness and offense than walk of the Spirit, baptism of the Holy Ghost, miracles. It's all about unforgiveness. Why? Because that's the blocking agent to you receive your miracle. It was for freedom's sake we have been made free. So now we're going to take communion. I know I said a lot tonight, but just really felt strong in my spirit. And I love you. I've seen it a thousand times. I hate seeing people go around the mountain. They come and have an encounter with God, and then they go. Six months later, they're back. And then six months later, they're back. And six months later, they're back. And all they're doing is going around the mountain. They're trying to find something. And they're not willing to die to themselves. God wants to bless you. Can I say this? God has already blessed you. He's already blessed you. You're already healed. If someone purchased something for you, and they say, go and pick it up, and you try and pay for it again, they won't take the money because someone already paid for it. I often say our healing, our deliverance, our prosperity, our belonging is based on our inheritance. If you inherit something from a family member, a father or a grandfather, did you earn it? Did you buy it? He gave it to you freely. He had the authority and now he's given the authority over to you. You know what Jesus said? All authority has been given unto me and I give unto you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize in that. In the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit. And in my name, you'll cast out devils. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick. And they tell you, don't lay hands. What did Jesus In my name, go preach the gospel. In my name, go raise the dead. And by no means, nothing will harm you. He's, God can use me, he can use anyone. God can use rabs, he can use anyone. If I was God, I wouldn't pick me. I'm telling you. What have I got to offer? You want to see my sins? I'll give you a list. I thank God I don't live by what I did. I live about, I live my life through what He did. I don't brag about who I am. I brag about who He is. I don't tell you about my, me. I talk about Him. You see, He's the bread of life. He's the one that gives me, He's the lover of my soul. And if I'm not willing to die to myself, because ultimately, I'm going to have communion now. And what did he say? This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, when I take this communion, I'm partaking of the broken body of Jesus. See, the enemy tempted even the garden. Eat and you'll be like God. He lied to her because she was already like God. So she thought he's holding out on us. In the wilderness, he goes, eat. Turn these stones into bread and eat. He goes, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How do I keep my, my, my life clean, my heart clean? By taking heed according to his word. Because I've had his word in my heart. I'm going to partake. There's something about partaking. In the Israelites in the desert, he says, kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. 
and then cook the lamb and then he says eat the whole lamb and whatever's left over burn it there can't be nothing left of the lamb and then they walk in the desert their clothes didn't wear out no one got sick what happened they partook they ate partook of the lamb you see jesus is the bread of life he's also the lamb of god we partake of him you have to understand something you have to understand something when jesus on the cross said it is finished you can say it this way it's final he set us free and he wants you as your children to be free now i don't know who's hurt you i don't know who's abused you i don't know who's come against you i don't know who's betrayed you the greatest betrayal is someone you trusted especially in the church especially in the church when you see a man or woman of god that fall or they they betrayed you and that hurts and then you think it's the whole church listen to me christ is his own representative christ will never hurt you family member someone would have walked out on you listen to me stand strong in who you are in christ and believe in him yeah we believe show us a sign he says you don't believe isn't it interesting when they asked for a sign he called them you're a perverse generation when they walked with him they saw signs and wonders they said believe in the signs at least at least believe that my father sent me because of the works i do but when they ask for a sign it's like you're demanding of god you can't demand nothing of god every time i've ever prayed for anyone i never demand anything you know what i say thank you for what you have already done give them give them their daily bread today and 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 if you can understand the forgiveness of the father only but forgiveness will flow from your heart no matter what they do to you because you know what you gotta you gotta understand this forgive them for they know not what they do they don't know what they're doing they've been in a dark place where the people you trusted the most let you down i've been in a place where what i've done everything right has gone everything wrong but i'm here to tell you tonight that christ loves you he set you free who the sun sets free is free indeed and start telling yourself you're free start walking as a free person you're no longer a slave father i thank you that you loved us you died for us i come against all the noise the head noise the noise from the spirit realm that lies to you i come against the past noises the traumas of the past because they're not even real anymore i come against the thoughts and the patterns that we've built up the strongholds that are not of you father i come against what the enemy has tried to do but has not succeeded but i will say that the trumpet sounds you know the trumpet sounded in the jubilee and that trumpet represented the year of jubilee which means all debts are off anything you owed was forgiven anything you lost you got back 
And anything you had from someone else, you gave back to them. It was a time of refreshing. It was the year of Jubilee. It was the favorable year of the Lord. He's coming back, people. He's coming back to get us. But while we wait for Him, guess who's here? The great Holy Spirit manifested Himself. And I can honestly tell you that as you partake, you partake of His flesh. So Father, I thank You for the, the body that was broken. You whipped on that scourging post. The whips on you represent the wounds on your back, on your face, on your head. And by your wounds, we are healed. As we partake, we partake of your glory, your mercy, your grace. That you paid that ultimate price to set us free. We're no longer indebted to anyone, but we are inheriting the love of the Father through the work of Jesus Christ our Lord. As we partake, partake of your healing. Partake of the broken body of Jesus. And be free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. The Bible says the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. I don't claim to understand that. Before there was a world, a lamb was slain. What I really believe is that before the foundation of the world, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed. And before man, God made man, he knew we had to make a way out if they fall. And I believe then, and then, Jesus, in the form of the Word, the Logos, said, I would go and pay a price for them. And I believe that act of faith is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The cross wasn't an afterthought. It was the first thought. The blood wasn't an afterthought because, oh, you've messed that up. The blood was the first thought. The Bible says life is in the blood. And when Christ came, he shed his blood. So a life for a life. And he set us free. We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony. What is your testimony today? I'm not talking about what God did for you and how you... The testimony of Jesus. Does it come out of you? And we don't love our life unto death. In other words, what comes out of your mouth is Jesus. What's in your ears is Jesus. What's in your eyes is Jesus. We have to be a body, a family that understands the victory of our master the lover of our soul. Please don't allow the enemy to make the word of God like they did. We, we loathe, it's, 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 it's ugly to our soul. We loathe that bread. Uh, the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. So I speak life over every person here tonight, Lord, that you are our Father. You are the Abba, the one that created the Abuna, the, uh, the Abba, the Dad. You want to know us personally. I thank you that as we drink, we drink of our remission of sin. We drink of the finished work of the cross. It's a finished work. We drink of the life of Jesus. He washes us and cleanses us and makes us as white as snow. We stand here before you just as if we have never sinned because of the blood. Because of the blood we have been redeemed. Worthy to call us sons and daughters. And because of the blood that cries out for mercy, 
and not revenge. As we drink, Father, we drink of the suffering of Christ, but the redemption gift that you gave us, that we are risen and seated in heavenly places. In Jesus' name we drink. Amen. Please stand. Love you guys. I know I went a bit long tonight. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. There's no point in coming here every week and walking bound. I want you to be free. Hallelujah. Stay the course. Don't go off course. Keep the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing in your, in your sails. And understand how much He loves you. Understand how much the Father loves you. Lord, I ask you to seal this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go get your kids. If Don't forget them upstairs. And, uh,